welcome Northgate. Uh, we're here in our front yard where it looks a little different than usual. Yes. We just uh, were able to host a wedding here in the front yard um, of a young couple that uh, just became man and wife. And so that's a special morning, June 6, 2020, a day to remember. Um, we welcome you today to the service and uh, Dan has our announcements. Yeah, it was a neat experience to be here this morning with the cars lined up like people in the pews anyways and the couple out and a lot of honking when they said their vows but that was neat god works no matter what the season or circumstance but this week things changing up a little bit home groups coming to an end and we have our prayer meeting beginning wednesday at 8 p.m if you're looking for a time to come together and pray on zoom we'd love to pray with you we believe that prayer is a really important and we have this opportunity through the summer as well as we've begun our discipleship group so you have one last chance if you contact us in the next couple of days for these groups and we can fit you in but we want to keep going in the summer discipling praying i want to encourage you to keep reaching out to one another porch walks walks being together calling texting we're the body of christ and uh, you're going to see in the message today uh, as a body relationship is so important so we'll pray get this service started and pray that you will be blessed by it so thank you lord for this opportunity bless our service the worship the time together uh lord in your word pray that you would work thank you for the uh beautiful change of season and things coming to life we pray all this in your precious name amen, amen. We'll see you later good morning northgate um Hope it's a beautiful Sunday morning for everyone. Um, I'm going to start us off with uh, some worship songs this morning, so feel free to sing along in your living room. I encourage you to, even though it seems weird. It's weird to film it in my room by myself, but let's begin. So bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's time to sing a song. 
all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to Something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship cause it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it it's all about you it's all about to chapter 4, I'm just going to read the first few verses and then the last few verses and then we'll talk about them and explain the middle. But it says this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Verse 5, which I mentioned could be a memory verse for you last week. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. 
then each one's praise will come from the Lord. In the next little section of verses 6 through 13, I'm not going to read, but Paul gets a little sarcastic with them and saying, well, you're wise, you have all, but we don't. But really, he's telling them that they've become fools for Christ's sake and they have suffered a lot. And he gets really personal with them and he's really challenging them and showing them that he loves them so much. So we get to verse 14, he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. And for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly. If the Lord wills, and I will know, not a word of those who are puffed up, but by the power. Excuse me, let me read verse 19 again. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, and a spirit of gentleness? So, he's speaking of correction there at the end, and in verse or chapters 5 and 6, he really is going to start correcting the church in some areas. But before we get there, it's really interesting in this chapter, he speaks of his relationship with the church. In this time of COVID, it seems that many things have gone to a, sc a screen. Obviously, we're watching church on the screen, or even how we connect is by Zoom. Uh, we've been taken away from the reality of being together. Now, as things loosen up a bit, we're more apt to get out and talk to people to go for walks or talk across the fence or have porch talks. But it's really interesting how screen teaching, how uh, teaching over the computer has become a big part of what we're doing. And I don't think, actually, to tell you the truth, this is somewhat new. We're a people who has become accustomed to going on Sunday, but then still listening to podcasts or listening to sermons, maybe some of our favorites, which is absolutely wonderful, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that alone is missing out on so much. I think that we're finding out that we're truly missing true fellowship. We're missing something beyond the screen. We have a relationship that is really one way because it's not one in where we're asked questions. And here Paul is saying clearly that the relational part of his discipleship with the people in Corinth was huge. It was how he discipled. And I just picked out a few things because I really believe that all of us should be being discipled in some way or being useful in discipling others. Now, you probably think I love to say this because our slogan at Northgate is ministry through discipleship. 
But I've come to find out in this season to be reminded that true growth, I wouldn't say only comes through a screen, but is much more uh, successful or fruitful through relationship. And what was it that Paul is saying about himself and Apollos in this chapter as we read that we can take and grow in our relationships of discipleship with others. I've been at ministry a long time, from being in New Jersey to uh, trying to disciple teenagers when I taught before that and young adults, to coming here. And I have learned, and I want to say this again, that the greatest ministry is through relational discipleship. So what did Paul show us? The first thing he shows us is, hey, Apollos and I in verse 1, we are servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Now, he's got through chapter 3 saying we're not better than each other. God's the one who causes the increase. But this is what we've been for you. We've been servants. And if you look in commentaries or if you know Greek or you want to look up Greek, that word for servants isn't the usual word for servant, which means slave, doulos, but it's another word, and I don't want to pronounce it, but I want to give you the meaning of the word servant here. It's almost those old ships uh, before there was power, or even when they had sails, but they had to get somewhere, they had the under rowers, like down below in, in the galley, the third galley, that you had people who would sit together and just row row unseen but providing the energy by serving doing what the person calling out the cadences was telling them to do and continually rowing as a servant unseen following the voice of the master and that's what paul is saying and when you think of discipleship the first thing we have to be or the first thing we should look for is someone who is a servant following the voice of God's word of the Holy Spirit. Just working away, not looking for praise, not trying to, to jump for numbers and power and pride. And here Paul says that, and the meaning of the word, I just rode away for you Corinthians, that I was willing to sacrifice. And he goes in to say, I worked so you wouldn't have to support me. I became nothing. I was, I was thirsty. I was hungry. I became a fool for Christ's sake. Because it was all about the relationship and seeing the Corinthian church grow. And Paul wasn't afraid to say, Hey, I'm a servant, unknown, rowing away for you, following the words of Jesus in his truth and through the Holy Spirit to see you grow. And that's what we need to be. And Jesus had the same example. He says, you know, in Mark 10, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And that is the picture. And Jesus would say to his disciples on the night that he had the last supper and after, and he washed their feet and he was teaching them through service how to love one another, how to engage in ministry with one another. But that takes relationship to get down and wash someone's feet. That takes time in knowing who someone is and how can I serve them. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's helping them financially. Maybe it's encouraging them. But you have to have relationship 
to wash someone's feet, to serve them, to sacrifice for them. And that's what Paul said, that's what we did. And in discipleship, when you look for a discipler, that's what we need. That's what we need to be as well for others. He as well says we're stewards of the mystery of God. What is the mystery of God? Well, in the New Testament, the mystery of God is the gospel revealed, Jesus revealed, the mystery that the Old Testament writers didn't know how was God's Messiah going to come. Well, he came and his name was Jesus. It is the gospel that he came and died on the cross and rose again and set us free. That now is the known mystery. And Paul says, I'm a guardian. I'm faithful to give that truth. I'm not the one who owns it. I'm a steward. I'm in charge of it. And I want to be faithful to give the gospel, the mystery of God. And as a discipler, that's what we're called to do. You know, we want to see converts, but we're called to make disciples. It's not just once I share the gospel, the mystery of God, I continually share the gospel because the gospel doesn't only save me, it encourages me each and every day. And in our relationship with others, we need to be constantly reminding them of Christ, the gospel, his love, his forgiveness. And you may say, well, I know that I'm past that. I'm going to tell you, you're never past the gospel. We need to hear it every single day. That hope we get from it, the truth we get from it. And the reality is we so easily become conformed to the thinking of the world or thinking of others and purpose beyond the gospel, which is great, but it always starts with the gospel, the mystery of God. What a tremendous mystery that is. And a lot of my work with people, I continually just Tell them to renew their mind in the love, the forgiveness, and the grace of God. And we can talk and talk and talk, but we have to go back to the truth to remind them of this great mystery revealed, which changes everything. So if I'm struggling and someone reminds me of the truth of Scripture, of what Christ has done, what it does for me, it changes the way I think and live. And true discipleship starts with Christ and reminds people of Christ as it serves one another. And again, so much of my counseling isn't worried about um, what's going to happen or what has happened. And obviously we need to talk about things, but what has Christ done for you to change you? Now live in how he's changed you and live in obedience to what he's asking you to do because of what he's done. So when you're discipling people, back to Christ. Back to Christ. Um, so wonderful. Now we move on to verse 14 in this journey of relational discipleship and how we need to be involved with others and not all the time the screen. But he says this interesting thing, you have 10,000 instructors in Christ yet you do not have many fathers. That's it. An instructor is so impersonal. I go to a class. I get instruction on how to do something. A father is relational. He teaches me by showing me through living example, through conversations that relate 
through the relationship, how to help me. And there's three things I just wrote of what a father can do for us. Obviously, a father teaches us, and Paul says, well, I taught you many things, and Timothy's going to remind you of them in verse 17. A father loves us. You know, some of us have struggled with our father, but God the Father is love, and that's the perfect picture of a father. Agape, unconditional, forgiving, and that's what a father does. And also, a father admonishes, a father warns, corrects. And here he says in verse 14, before that idea of being a father, he says, I write to you as beloved children, I warn you. So even in that, you see his love for them. Now look at Paul. He's often saying, Timothy, my beloved son in the faith, the one I love. Titus, these churches, he's constantly telling them he loves them, whether it's Ephesus or Corinth or Thessalonica, all these churches. I love you. I'm praying for you. And that's what God is to us. He's love as our father, but that's how we need to invest in others, loving them as God loves us, unconditional. So when they make a mistake, it's not like the relationship's over, but my agape continues through that. As you would love your child, even though he makes a mistake, you don't disown him, you work with him, you walk with him. And to admonish, to correct. This is a big one. And I think one I'm learning personally. In the church today, rarely do we see loving correction. We see a lot of encouragement, or hopefully we do see that. But what I found in my life, it's much easier to encourage than to correct. And the problem is sometimes when we do correct people, the relationship ends. But as a loving father gently corrects us, and that's what we're supposed to do, Galatians 5, by the way. If a brother or sister is living in sin and we have a relationship with them as a mentor or someone in their life, Paul says you to gently go and to correct them, challenge them, exhort them, admonish them, warn them, because you don't want sin to hurt them. That's what a father does. He loves you not only to give you lollipops and donuts, but he loves you enough to say, don't touch the stove. And in the church, in our relationships, instructors being far away from a screen can't relationally correct us when we're going astray. We need people in our lives who love us enough to say, don't Go that way or don't continue in that sin. I love you too much. I need to say something. And I would say, unfortunately, it's very difficult because relationships are strained. Unfortunately, it's not done correctly at the time, but people can go to other churches where they think people actually love them or get their way. But we need in each other's lives as we disciple each other to be those who are admonishing, warning, correcting, because we love people. And Paul is going to get into correction in this book, but he's making it clear. I, I'm, I'm a servant for you. I'm suffering for you. I'm giving you the mystery of Christ, the gospel, every day. I have this amazing relationship with you. It's not necessarily just a screen or watching me preach. It's beyond that that you are my beloved children, and though you have many instructors, I am like your father, your spiritual father. 
And maybe you've had people like that in your life. And it is so valuable. And that's why I said at the beginning, that's where there is so much growth. The reality today is you can get better teaching than me or at Northgate anywhere probably on the internet. You can get stuff, but without relationship, there's a limit to what it can do in your life. And relationship creates that. And within our church, we want to create a community that is investing in one another through discipleship, that we're open and honest with those people we trust and we serve them and we remind them and we love them and we admonish them. I just can remember in my life, some of my mentors, and I can remember when my pastor pulled me in his office and corrected me. And at first, how I so didn't like that because my pride was hurt and how others in my life just stuck with me and would challenge me. And they were loyal to me, but they would speak truth to me. It's like your teacher who was hard on you in school and you started the class and you were like, I don't like that teacher. But by the end of the year, you were like, that was my favorite class because they invested in me enough to challenge me to love me. Now, by the way, this admonishing and warning, it's just a little tiny percentage of discipleship, but it's one that's missing. You see, encouragement, I believe, and walking with people is so important. It's like 95%. It's not like we go around correcting people. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to have relationships like Paul did with the church to say, hey, I'm with you. I love you. And that 5% to say, don't do that. You see, confrontation is really important in that tiny percentage. And if we fear that or we don't have relationship to do that or we're, you know, not following the spirit to do that, we're missing out on the growth we can have. We need that in our lives. We need relationships. We need discipleship. We need investment in each other. Not only is he this father, but he just goes on, he says, I urge you then to imitate me in verse 16. To follow me. You know, we, we like to say, you know, maybe to our kids, and maybe I'm joking around, you don't say it, but do as I say, not as I do. Well, I got news for you, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> it has to be, do as I say and follow what I do. And unfortunately, it's very difficult because we're challenging our kids or people in the faith with these expectations. But if we don't live them, there's not much power, as he would say, in it. You're puffed up in talking, but there's no power. Power comes in action. People seeing the Holy Spirit work in our lives. And so often we're saying, don't follow me, I'm imperfect. I don't want you to know this. I don't want you to know that. We should live a life that we have complete confidence to say, you come into my home as you would see me as church. Look at my finances all you want. Look at where I go on the weekend. Look at what I watch on my TV. I don't want to have any problem with that. You come imitate me. And I'm not saying we'll be perfect. I'm going to say we fail and we have to realize, oh, my house is messy, right? Like, I might not be that person you think I am, but in relationship, I think we're sick of masks anyway. We want to see the realness of people and grow with them as they're growing. And even if we're not perfect, 
we need to let people in and say, follow me. This is not the only place where Paul says in complete confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. Because it really is a little bit of a cop-out to say, well, here's what you should do, but I'm not really doing it. We should say, you know what? More is caught than taught, or more is taught by catching the way we are living. You want to see where I give? You want to see how I help? You want to see how I serve? You want to see how I renew people in the truth of the mystery, the gospel of Christ? You want to see how I try to invest in others? Come see it. So important. Are you at the point today, maybe we all struggle, but to say, yeah, come. Come follow me as I follow Christ. Now again, There's a relational aspect of you being with me and seeing this. So often pictures are deceiving or videos or anything like that. You know, people can see my family oftentimes and see them on a picture and be like, oh, that's the perfect family, or they look so good. And one of my responses now, come live with us for the weekend. Come be with us for the week. And you're gonna see we're not perfect, that it's not the way it is on a picture. And again, this screen or Facebook or Instagram, we don't see the ugly pictures. We don't see the difficulties. We're always trying to present ourselves in a way that we think people will like us. But Paul's saying, no, you come see me all the time. Imitate me, follow me, go beyond the screen into real relationship. And this is really on my heart today in COVID because it's almost like we have a restart. We have this fresh uh, start as we will gather together. And you know what I'm hearing from people? Yes, screens and Zoom's okay, but I don't like it. I want to engage with people. But like anything else, as things get back to normal over months and years, we're gonna fall into the same old patterns. But I'll tell you, there's something so much more. That we need to be in these discipling relationships where we can be corrected, where we can open up, where we can see truth revealed to us, trained and taught to us. We have opportunity to reset. Sometimes with our kids, we learn from Margie Becker, they're going crazy, whoop, stop, reset. You know, and our world got so busy. Okay, let me just watch a little service on screen. Let me go on Sunday and then I'll go home and I don't really like being around people. And and no, 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 no. That's not what Paul would say. You need people. As much as you like it or don't like it, you need people to create discipling relationships, whether you're being discipled or you're discipling someone else, serving them, being served renewing them in truth, admonishing them, being a father relationally to them, and finally saying, come follow me. I had the great privilege uh, today, which is Friday, to speak with one of my mentors. Um, He reads my prayer letter and he wanted to Zoom and I hadn't talked to him um, in a couple of months, but I was just reminded as we were talking together for quite a while, the impact that he had on my life, that he invested in me. Uh, He took me once a week and spent time with me. 
He was a spiritual father to me. He, he served me in many ways. He's always reminding me of truth. And there were times he corrected me. And that relationship became so important to me. He was in, involved in my wedding because I wanted him there. And as I continued that relationship, you know, what do you think of this? And over time, it's easy to separate because we lived in two different places. But to come back together and be reminded on the day that I had to give this, we need that in our lives. We need to be following Jesus. You need to be being discipled by someone somehow and growing into the place where you can disciple others. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the restart, the reset in all our lives that I think we can function in ministry as God would have us to function. And I think there'll be growth, beyond growth, and I'm so excited. Just five groups of discipleship starting this summer. And uh, however you want to do that, or relationships, I'm sure someone would be willing to invest in you. Let's pray and ask God to do this in our midst, to be a community like this, investing in one another. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. I pray the words were clear and encouraging. Lord, we see how Paul ministered, and Apollos and the others. It, so beautiful, Lord, and may we be like that. May we, by the help of your Holy Spirit, being like Jesus, washing each other's feet, investing, taking off masks, living in relationship. Lord, may you always be the center. May we walk with people, beside them, directing them, not trying to mold them, just unfolding them in you. May we have relationships where we're encouraging, 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 and some of the time maybe correcting in gentleness, in love for God's glory. Lord, may our lives be different, that we can say to those around us, come see, come see, Jesus is here. We make mistakes, but Jesus is leading and guiding us. Lord, make our community one that is focused on discipleship through your word and relationship through the power of your Holy Spirit. Yeah, God, we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.